Gigi Easy. Hello everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I have our czar of source material, John. I could piss in a bucket and tell him it's beer. <laughs> and our chivalry of Shota Shotaro. This birthday cake is not helping my quarantine bond. <laughs> and that's actually that's actually something I wanted to mention. So thank you for bringing it up, and thank you very much, so for joining us for this recording on your birthday. Anytime, oh. I love spending my birthday marathon in Castlevania. Is there any better way to spend it? No, there isn't. No, there really isn't. Oh man! But yes, thank you for joining us on your birthday for a topic that I'm gonna endeavor to do the best I can to not make this last three hours. But as Show mentioned, we are going to be talking about Castlevania, and it's it's sort of a spoiler cast, so yes, we are going to be spoiling a lot of stuff that happens in the story, but as much as I want this to be a spoiler cast, I also kind of want it to be a bit of a review, since we are doing the first three seasons of Castlevania. Um, that being said, I do want to run down a little bit of background about uh, the series first before we begin. So obviously the Castlevania series on Netflix is based on the uh, video game series of the same name that's made by Konami. The first two seasons uh, work to adapt the 1989 entry Castlevania three Dracula's curse, which follows the main characters of Trevor, Trevor Belmont, Alucard and Sylph Sypha <laughs> Belnadis. I'm going to, I'm going to really trip over some of these names because they are very, um, shall we say ethnic, um, <laughs> that was the best word I could come up with to describe it. Um, and then seasons two and three borrow elements from Castlevania Curse of Darkness, which is two thousand came out in 2005. Um, the series itself was originally planned to be a film that had its original script written all the way back in 2007 by Warren Ellis. Um, Warren Ellis is a writer. He's worked on a bunch of different Marvel series. He's done some original comic book series as well. Also wrote uh, the... Uh, story for the video game Dead Space. Yes. Um, which I think John likes a lot. <laughs> oh, oh man, I could make a whole podcast revolving around Dead Space. <laughs> um, uh, but the concept itself ended up being in development hell until about 2015 when it was picked up by uh, Netflix and the first season itself premiered July 7th, 2017. Now... Um, I feel like I know why it was in development in hell. Um, Castlevania is very popular among the people who like Castlevania. <laughs> um, mm. it, it's definitely it's sort of a niche audience. Well, yeah, it's it's definitely a cult classic. Like the people who grew up playing the games, like the earlier games, like you know Castlevania one, two, and three. Um, mm. They definitely are fans of it, and it's definitely left its mark in the video game world. Like mm. there's so many different copies of Castlevania. Like Metroid, Metroid and Castlevania, we there's a portmanteau that a lot of people use to describe platforming games that have the same elements, and we call it Castle or uh, Metroidvania, mm -hmm. right? It's it's left its mark on history, but Konami has in the past recognized that Castlevania isn't their big seller. Like it doesn't make them that much money. Um, every no, every doesn't. time they release a game, it does all right, but it's not like a cash cow. But I feel like uh, 
Netflix saw the potential in adapting this new dark and gritty animation based on this like hmm. kind of like a yeah well like it's not even kind of a niche like game that no one really talks that much about but everyone knows it yeah it's, it's like it's a victorian horror story is what it is yeah it's got vampires Basically. dude yeah <laughs> it's got and it's got like classic vampires not bullshit vampires yeah <laughs> not bullshit vampires that sparkle but God. Is Castlevania an anime? That's actually the question I was going to ask. And the reason I asked that is because, um, well, Mal doesn't think that it is. My anime list does not think that Castlevania on Netflix is. In fact, if you go on my anime list and you search for Castlevania, the only entry that you will get is the 2005 manga adaptation of Castlevania Curse of Darkness. Oh. Mm. Well, that's not Which cool. is not that great. Well, I personally think of it as an anime because it's based on a Japanese IP, so it's like in the, you know, general vicinity of other Japanese products, so I'm like, whatever. It's part well, when, of the fucking thing. When you when you have Mal that's like, oh, all these Marvel animes that remember those Marvel animes? <laughs> yeah, they no, I no. do, sadly. I, the the <laughs> one thing I remember about it is that Deadpool is voiced by Dio. <laughs> No way. Yes, he is. That's hilarious. And he actually talks about chimichangas. It's really great what to hear the word the chimichanga heck? in Japanese. Well, see, the thing is, I don't, I get why Mao wouldn't list this as an anime because it's not produced in Japan or anything like that. It's produced here in America yeah. with help from yeah, like it's, it's, every other yeah. world producers. It's, it's a multi international effort, right? It's a collaboration. Yeah. But primarily, yeah. It was made in America, so it. I mean, we've had this conversation before. Everything that's cartoons would be considered animation. Anything in animation should be anime, technically speaking. Yeah, it's like the, the Japanese think of anything that's animated can be called anime. Like SpongeBob is thought of as an American anime. Yeah, but SpongeBob so, is not anime. SpongeBob, according to you, no. but according to the Japanese, it is. Oh, wait, was it according to you, Alex? I'm not really. <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I personally, yes, I think it's anime because it borrows a lot of its style and it's like you know it, its narrative structure from anime. It's based on a Japanese IP. I mean, it ticks a lot of these boxes for anime. So I don't understand why it shouldn't be considered one. Yeah, especially since like you could argue, well, this. Japanese IP was made originally in an English dub for the English viewers on Netflix, which is true. Okay. But so is Space Dandy, but Space Dandy's a freaking anime, isn't it? Yeah, Space Dandy is 100% considered an anime. It's on Mal. I mean, yeah, but Space Dandy was made for the western audience. So what's your damn yeah. point, Mal? Huh? Yeah, and also that's another thing that Space Dandy was worked on by a largely international team as well, although it was principally made in Japan. Yeah, so again, it's it's more than likely the fact that it was primarily made in America that mm -hmm. it's not considered a Japanese anime. But who cares? Who cares yeah. what Mal thinks, right? Yeah, I I, I will I say put it that on my top ten Mal list. How? You won't. No. <laughs> um, you won't. That's, there's an easy solution to that. Um, I will say that 
also a lot of the key animation is done by a team of Koreans, so that maybe that's another reason it's not considered an anime. Um, but Listen. the production team for the second season did include staff members who had worked previously on Madhouse productions. So. I honestly don't think it's because key animation was done by a Korean team uh, because key animation is outsourced a lot anyway in regular anime. I'm not saying that the Japanese are racist, but (laughs) how did we get here? Yeah. What the heck? We're talking about Castlevania, dude. (laughs) Yeah. It's surprising. I didn't even know Madhouse people worked on this on the second season. Mm. I think in, in, in the, the latter half of the second season, you can definitely see a little bit of Madhouse influence. Well, there was a lot more care in the second. The last two episodes of the second season had a lot more effort in them compared to True. the rest of the season. Because um, True. I need I need to talk about the audio. Um, all right. But I, I before we move on, I, I think all of us here are in agreement. This is 100% an anime, right? I'd call it an anime. Okay, so from now on, we're calling it an anime, not a cartoon. Well, same shit. But yeah, the music. Um, fuck it. The music was composed by Trevor Morris. So Trevor Morris is a composer who's worked on a bunch of things for a lot of different mediums. He's worked on movies like The Hills Have Eyes 2, Olympus Has Fallen. He's worked on uh, television programs like The Tudors. And he's also done uh, scores for video games like Need for Speed Carbon, which is probably the only Need for Speed with a god-tier soundtrack, and Dragon Age Inquisition. <laughs> So, like, they got some really good people to work on this show behind the scenes as well. Yeah, like, the the OST is pretty damn good. All right, mm-hmm. like, I I do love the music. I love the inspirations, and it's just they play them for the most part. They play them at the right times. There are a couple times yeah. where they, I, I I just question their use of uh. Why are you using this music to set the mood? Mm. But yeah, the music's pretty I, I, good. I, I will say in the in the first and second season specifically, they there is a lot of really good use of string instruments to portray dread, and I like that a lot. Oh yeah, especially like in the scenes in in Dracula's castle. Oh yeah, oh, it was yeah. so good. Like it's it sets the scene really well. I honestly couldn't care about the OST except for season three. I like the um theme they used for sala where they would like play a foghorn every time he talked it's like does that does that does that remind you of of dead by daylight perhaps uh sure (laughs) it's like a deafening foghorn it's like oh no the monks are here and um i also really liked um the creepy piano they played in carmilla's castle um Mm. but yeah i didn't really care for season one or two the the soundtrack Mm -hmm. you mean yeah, the soundtrack in season one and two isn't spectacular. Like I said, it's good though. It, it has a, it's very mood setting. It's appropriate, and yeah. I just really need to talk about season two, episode seven. They fucking play bloody tears. Bloody tears. Like if if you guys don't know, when in season in that in that specific scene, it's when they enter Dracula's castle and they're like, all right, it's time to fight the fucking night horde and the vampires that are here, and. It, it's the current mix, or I guess the new iteration of Bloody Tears, which is the theme song, recurring theme song of fucking Castlevania. Like, 
from Simon's Quest up until now. There's so many variations of it, but I was just like, oh my god, Bloody Tears is playing! <laughs> like, I lost my We don't point. talk about Simon's Quest. <laughs> we, we don't, but I just, it just blew my mind. I was like, I didn't think I'd hear any music from Castlevania, and then here it is. Again, I'm just like, it's been 11 episodes since I started watching this series, and I finally get some Castlevania music. <laughs> Is it like when you got eight episodes into Ace Attorney and you finally heard the cornered theme? Yeah, like it's, you know, they didn't have to do it. I honestly don't think that, you know, any type of adaptation has to have callbacks or anything like that to the original. I love it, though. I love it when they do it properly. And oh, my God, yeah. Bloody Tears is so good. It's a good song in general. I love the 8-bit I mean, that version. thing about... That thing about not requiring callbacks is doubly true with with like soundtracks, especially if you're adapting something that already had a soundtrack. Yeah, you're 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 under no obligation to do it, and in another medium, something else might actually be more appropriate. The fact that they included it at all is a huge callback, and it's it, it's like fan service, really. Yeah, and thank thank the Lord it came back because then you know it's like show was saying. Then season three it was like, oh, people like it when we make thematic music from castlevania yeah. works wow i, I do think it was funny more. like in seasons one and two you had like this overarching like orchestral theme for the entire show yeah and, the and then like there were certain scenes that had there were certain scenes that had um you know different kinds of music like the scenes in dracula's castle but then in season three it's like wait why don't we just give everyone their own theme <laughs> yeah it's almost like they it's almost like they started realizing how to make a good show <laughs> but, but um, I, I will say that I, I will say this the excellent use of certain instruments to portray different emotions is really well done with the score yeah and which like is great but then what was super lacking in the audio department was the fucking sound effects man like they're mm-hmm. so season one is only four episodes long season two is like eight episodes long Season one definitely just felt like they made it to just like show off as a proof of concept. Yeah, proof of concept. Like fucking, this is the pilot. Like, hey, we made four episodes of Castlevania, the anime. Finally, Netflix, do you want more? And then Netflix was like, let's launch this and see if people like it. And people fucking loved it because again, Castlevania, it's it's a cult classic. You know, there's a small niche of us that like it. And it's dark and edgy. Like, it's what's not to like about it. Well, I kind of equate how this show got started uh, to how back in 2003, uh, Sci-Fi Channel launched the reimagined Battlestar Galactica. They originally did it with a, I think it was a four, no, five episode miniseries that kind of set the, it was basically like a prologue. Yeah. And they they threw it out there just to see because you know the original Battlestar Galactica was the like the nineteen seventy seven I think seventy eight, um, and like they wanted to throw it out there and see is there actually a market for this? Do people actually want it? And then they realized yeah a lot of people tuned in to like to watch this and a lot of people loved it. So it's like all right let's greenlight a series. Yeah. So like as much as I adore Castlevania, I just I hate the sound effects that they use. Like they're not bad, but they're very stock. And the sound design is pretty garbo. Like, literally, as they're playing the fucking bloody tears, okay, and they're having the (laughs) fight, and there's, like, people being thrown about and shit, they have, like, very little sound effects going on Mm. 
other than just like the f- like basic ting ting. Uh, uh, and I'm just like it's <laughs> it feels so flat, you know. Yeah. Like even I would say I would say in the first and second season, the only sound effects that were actually done well, like really well, were like when magic was being used. Those were done pretty well. Those were all right. Yeah, like when uh, like when Morningstar explodes for the first time, it makes that sound. It's pretty fucking. Cool. Yeah, or when they're looking at the like the transmission mirrors. Yeah, but like, like those sound effects were done well, but just about everything you, else is very basic. When you compare, like, literally 10 minutes after when, uh, uh, was it episode seven starts, once they get into the climactic fight with Dracula in season two, like, when Alucard and Dracula are fighting, they actually do really good sound design and sound effects mm. when they're fighting. Like, every step, every hit, everything breaking, like, they actually make sound effects for everything. It's looks, they put a lot of care into the, the climactic battle. Which I loved, and it's I was like, like, "It's like someone, it's like someone in the sound mixing booth, like, oh shit, I got money, I should use it.'" <laughs> yeah, and it's just jarring because you go to like go back to the beginning of season two, and it's like, uh, let's let's take the scene when Isaac is cutting open the uh, the demon that came back, right? The sound of the saw cutting open the chest is so flat. Like a lot of the yeah. sound effects, the battle effects are super flat and basic. Like it literally sounds like someone cutting into Jello. Yeah, it, it it's the same sound effect repeated, repeated. I'm just like, dude, this, this are you a college student or something? Did you use open source? Like, you working for free, bro? Like, what the fuck? This doesn't seem like it came from a studio of professional sound makers, like sound designers. Like, what the shit? Audio engineers, that's what they call themselves. But yeah, it, and it's not just that scene. Like, it's literally in every other scene from season one and two all the way until the end of season two. Like uh, when Trevor fights in the Belmont hold, it's very flat. Like when he has the bone staff and he's fighting against that like bird, whatever. It's just like, it yeah. sounds like very basic. Oh, we're going to use wooden sticks and we're going to hit stuff. And it's very basic. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, it's distracting to me because I'm like, look at this cool action sequence that you're trying to give That's me. It's animated really well. Yeah. And I, I just hear this like flat, flat, basic fucking noises. Like a lot of game companies that like, for example, Bungie, when they want to make sound effects, they go to extreme lengths to make their own unique sound effects. Okay. And that's what I fucking adore about the Halo games. It's very unique. And, you know, for a show, I get it. You have limited time and resources, but come on, man. This is fucking yeah. 2020. Like, what the shit? Don't be doing this to me. Don't be reviving yeah. the series like this with great animation, decent story, great soundtrack, but then give me really shitty sound effects. But I will I will say that's something that could be fixed later though. But season 3, they fix it. <laughs> like, yes. They 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 don't make it amazing, but they make it a whole of a lot fucking better. Like, the sound engineers finally decided, hey, we should get our heads out of our asses and, you know, actually make something that sounds real, okay? Instead of having, like, two or three things playing at a time. Like, if you'll notice a lot in Season 2, they'll have a lot of, like, inaudible parts where there's, <laughs> it looks like someone's supposed to be talking, but they're not talking, right? It happens quite a lot, and I, I feel like they did that as a, just a budget choice. Like, we can't afford to have audio for every single f- fucking part of this 
So we're just going to make it inaudible and play the soundtrack. And it's just, it annoys me, you know, <laughs> it, it yeah. really annoys me. I, I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we move on to the, the stellar voice acting in this show? Yes, because even right. though the sound effects were garbage, the fucking voice acting, I adore. Right? If you yeah. if you couldn't tell by my little tidbit in the beginning, I I loved all the script acting they did in the English dub. Like I I, I watched they got this established actors. Holy shit. I, I watched this in the Japanese dub as well as the English dub, just to compare. The Japanese dub is alright. Like I didn't hate it, but Holy shit, the English dub is like a million times better. Um, the voice actor for Dracula does a phenomenal job of like portraying Dracula. Like it's yeah. it's it blows my mind when I think about the voice actor who did Dracula. I don't know who the voice actor is, but the- it's Graham McTavish. I again, I don't know English voice actors, so. <laughs> but point is, Dracula's voice acting was portrayed extremely well. Like when he was grieving. All of his emotions were conveyed. The subtle anger that he felt when he was being questioned by um fucking what's that fucking gold art gold 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 whatever you mean Godbrand Godbrand that guy thank you <laughs> I don't I don't remember the, the Viking Goldeneye? vampire gold something gold <laughs> yeah God Godbrand was like oh when he was what he called him a little vampire and yeah like, was good. oh i was just like i got chills i was like oh ooh, i can feel the emotion this is great and then just this, the script acting between like sypha and alucard and trevor i just loved it mm. <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> like, and, and, and it the, like, like back and forth it all it all yeah. Yes, it all flows so well. It's almost like they're all in the same room while they were recording this, which they might they might have been. I would hope so. But yeah, the the Woody banner between them was pretty funny in season two. Um, like, like <laughs> I still remember it. Oh dear. Uh, when when Alucard finally comes to the surface, and then Sifa's like, "You two need to stop behaving like children," and they're like, "Huh? We're, we know that." And then as soon as she walks away, Trevor's like, eat shit and die. And then Alucard's like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) They just like... For some reason, I really didn't buy the witty banter between Alucard and Trevor. I was was not a fan of it. To me, it felt really forced. And I also did not like the banter between Saifa and and Trevor either. It's very... It's very berserk. Because um, that's something that happens in Berserk a lot. Just the insertion of humor among the serious scenes just to kind of lighten the mood. It just yeah. didn't feel... I feel like I'm okay with the idea theoretically. I just don't think they did it right. Like, I don't... I didn't, like, actually believe they were teasing each other. It just felt like they were reading a script, personally. Sorry to rain on so everyone's I- parade. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. I, I understand what you're saying. Like... It does seem forced. I do admit that. I I still like the interactions because in the original concept of the game and stuff, you kind of just beat the game with your unlocked partner. Then you kind of just get an ending where it's like, hey, we're friends now. So there's not really much to go on. Like they had to fill in the blank somehow, Mm -hmm. right? I will I will say in the original games, there is a little bit of like witty banter that happens, but it's not like all over the place. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you were saying, the general quality of the voice acting was really good, um, especially for all the main characters. The only complaints I have was actually Godbrand. 
Sumi and Taka, those felt like like C or D tier actors. Like they weren't even <laughs> okay. trying. So I was I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna bring that up because um one of the things that the 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 actors are is a lot of them are of the ethnicity or from the place where those characters are supposed to be from. Like um the the voice actors for uh Taka and Sumi in season three. Yes. Yeah, three. Um are actual Japanese American actors. Um Godbrand, the guy who played Godbrand Wait, is a Swedish actor. American? So they're American citizens? Uh because they I'm don't not sure really if they're, sound I, I, I think they're living American. in America, but they're not actually American oh, citizens. Okay. That's why I say I see. I'd say Japanese Americans, but they they are of Japanese descent, obviously. Um, Using yeah, yeah. Toto Toto Uchi Kado and Rila Fukushima are Taka and Sumi's mm. voice actors. Yeah, using um, ethnic accents can be really hard to get right, and I think Castlevania did it really well. They all felt authentic, yeah. I guess, because they were actors from their actual countries. Um, and it didn't feel like patronizing or anything. It just felt like real. So I did like that yeah. part. And, and and some of these people who are playing these characters from far-flung parts of the world are like English is not their first language. So the fact that they're able to do this at all and do it as well as they did speaks uh, high volumes to their acting skill, I would say. I mean... So- I I like Godbrand. Um <laughs> I his acting is bad, okay? I admit that. But I just I like the character, how he's just like, "I'm a fucking viking." Like, <laughs> "Bring me I'm gonna beer go find and something blood. to fuck." Yeah. And I just I just loved how he portrayed uh th- this viking like vampire. It was like, "This is this is yeah. really cool. This is funny." <laughs> like, I like this. I I just I just like it because I've gotten so used to, like, when you hear, well, like, in a Japanese dub of an anime, they don't even attempt to do accents most of the time. Um, But when you see, like, an English dub of an anime and you'll hear the obviously American voice actor attempting to do, like, a British accent or a Swedish accent, it's so bad. Oh, yeah. That's that's when accents go wrong. Yeah, um, it's like that, that's 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 probably my biggest complaint about the English dub for the first two parts of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is that it's these these characters or these actors are trying so hard to do ethnic accents and they suck at it. Mm-hmm. Another- yeah, so I'd say overall it, it's a good decision that they did decide to use like correct voice actors mm-hmm. for their representative parts because it it just sounds yeah. better. Like it makes it feel it a little bit more authentic. And it makes me more pissed off because I'm like, hey, if you guys cared that much about how these guys sounded, why is the sound effect so bad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what the shit, dude? I also appreciate... I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I, I just personally liked it. I also appreciate that they did really good sound mixing with the voices against the, like, OST and everything else going on because a lot of dubs I watch, the voices are not the same fucking sound level of the rest yes. of the show. But here, the voices were perfectly matched with the sound level, so I applaud that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There, there, I've heard some people say that some of the voice actors were difficult to understand because of their accents, and I can certainly understand that. But I think, by and large, it, it was a really welcome addition, and I, I really want to see more of this in anime dubbing if we can. I know some of these actors are like, you know, top bill actors from where they're actually from. So I can't imagine that they were necessarily cheap to get. 
I mean, I think that most of the stuff was understandable, but I watch it with subs anyways, so... Well, okay. Well, Dude, I mean, same. That's, that's cool. Who doesn't I watch even shows watch with my subs. I don't what? know. I've always watched shows with subs, even if it's in English. I don't exactly. Care. I can't understand English. You think I speak English? What am I speaking right now? Nothing. I need to read. Anyway, it just after hearing the same five voice actors in every anime dub I've ever seen for the last two or three years, it was nice to actually see real actors. It's like it's like what John and I say about when we've done our um, our Studio Ghibli films, the reviews that we've done so far. It's like it's so refreshing to hear actual actors doing these roles. It definitely adds more yeah. personality to the show. Yeah, not to say that all Japanese dub voice actors are bad. No, some of them are actually really good, but... Uh, more than 50% of them are mediocre to not good. <laughs> Japanese or American? No, no. D- uh, English dub voice yeah. actors I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Um, but anyway, um, I just wanted to bring that up because it's just so it's so unusual to see in, in English dubs. Um, but moving on to art and animation. Um, it's good. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> I mean, that's... For... It's a really good, it's a really good argument for two D hand drawn animation. Like, it's it's a it's an art that's going away sadly, and it's it's a really good advertisement for why two D hand drawn animation is so good. I think. Yeah. The, I mean, go, go ahead, ahead. Oh, I think the best part of this show, like of anything, is the fight car- choreography. Literally, that's yeah. the pinnacle of what this show offers, and they do it really well. And the fight scenes are like really extended and overall really polished, and the animation in the scenes themselves are also really good. So that's what you come for. That's what you get. It's really well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like in the, these fights are not necessarily won by being stronger. They're like, especially the fights with Trevor. They're 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 won by like cunning and guile and like your skill with the weapon, not who can produce the biggest landscape reducing fart. Yeah, like the. I mean, Cypha's produced a lot of landscape reducing farts. <laughs> okay, yeah. fair, fair. She uses a lot of fire. And ice, dude. Remember, she created the wall with That's ice, true. and then she did the and whole. She, she made stairs out of them. It's, it's so cool to actually see magic being used for practical purposes. Yeah, the the battles are exciting and fun, albeit sparse. Like, there's not a lot of whole battles. There's not a whole lot of battle scenes in season two, um, but we do have the comeback to Dracula fight, which is amazing. Um, yes, storming the castle was cool too, albeit kind of shitty because of the bad sound effects but whatever i'll look past that because they have bloody fucking tears and um i I will say one thing that was cool to see is how all the different vampires in dracula's court they fight just a little bit different yeah they don't all do the exact same thing and that was cool that was definitely cool yeah refreshing yeah but i just you know the fact that more than half of his court his council of 12 didn't even get speaking lines. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was kind of sad, which is amazing considering how slowly paced the second season was. Like, you couldn't have given, like, four or five more of these people at least one speaking line? Like, I'm trying to think of his court, and literally only his two Forge Masters, Carmilla and fucking Godbrand, are the only people who talk. Cho and Cho, the rest. Cho also has one speaking line, I think. I'm pretty sure Cho doesn't say shit. 
I don't remember Joe saying but anything. He, her desi- her, <laughs> I don't her character she... design definitely stands out, though. Yeah, she's Japanese, and she's like Empress of the Mist. It's pretty fucking cool. Like, hmm. they have a lot of good designs. Um, I love the monster designs, uh, the Night Hordes. Yes. Like, they're not... So creative. In season three, they get a lot more creative. In season one and two, you don't really get to see too much of that. Like, it's very basic standard, like, just basic standard nightmare shit. Like, it's yeah. not that bad. But, yeah, season three definitely excels in showing you more Night Horde when Isaac is going around, like, creating his army and getting his own path. It's pretty good. Uh, I, I also uh, like oh. the, when they do establishing shots, I fucking yes, adore the background him. art. Oh, my it's like, God. I, you know, I'm an edgelord at heart. Like it just like oh yeah this is so edgy and I love it like oh the dread oh, oh my. Oh. <laughs> um I mean Castlevania is definitely gonna put out that castle porn yes <laughs> yeah like I, w- I would hope with a name like that with Dracula's castle too like oh it's so cool <laughs> when they do the establishing shot in season two when they come out of the Belmont hold and there's the blood moon and we can see like. The water comes out. You see a reflection of the moon. Pans up. It's a blood moon now. And then you got Dracula's fucking superimposing castle. I'm like, oh, yes. That's a good establishing shot. It's not very detailed or anything crazy. It doesn't look super amazing. But it's a great fucking shot. Yes. The, the castle itself uh, is designed really well as well. At least for yeah, the outside. I love Yeah, well, that's kind of... They kind of were forced into designing it the way it is because of how it is in the game, <laughs> but yeah it's supposed to be super crazy and stuff it still looks good also the scenes where the castle actually moves in season one and two my god those are animated really well yeah it's cool it looks fucking cool <laughs> that man. sequence where it just like vanishes out of existence and then or or comes into existence somewhere and you see like a fucking atomic bomb blast going away oh, from yeah. the fucking area where it comes like there's that scene i think it's in season two where it appears next to a river and like, there's this deer sitting there and it comes in the deer just gets fucking vaporized yeah it's when he when dracula first teleports his castle so that's, over that's the what top. happens so much over, it's the, over top the top it's cool so though good. it's so it cool. looks so cool oh and <laughs> the cgi is very sparsely used in the series as well like mm. it's and it's not even that bad. They use it for like mainly like uh, the rotating gears and shit inside of uh yeah. It's hard to even the infinite corridor. Mm, it's not jarring at yeah. all. Well, they also use it in the infinite corridor in season in season three, which I was going to talk about that whole dream sequence. I think it's in episode six or seven of season three where they have that uh, that dream sequence that Saint Germain has in the infinite corridor. That was trippy. If I were on drugs, I would have enjoyed that very much. Yeah, that was fucking that was nuts. A dude. Long ass scene too. I know it was. it was, but I loved it because it was animated so well. It's, it's reminiscent of uh, Space Odyssey that did that. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, uh, Two thousand one is Space Odyssey. At the very end, they had that the the uh, the Star Tunnel corridor. Yeah. yeah, it's very much like that. It's just trippy. It's crazy. It's supposed to, it's supposed to be like trippy, but yet very unsettling. And that is exactly what the scene is. Yeah, it was definitely unsettling. And <laughs> the the character designs I fucking loved as well. Like, I wasn't sure how they would animate it because the, if you've ever seen Castlevania art, like, especially the beginning art, it's rough. They all kind of look like Conan the Barbarian, oh. and it's rough. <laughs> but then we get yeah, to... everyone's, sim- like, super buff and... Yeah, but then we get to Symphony of the Night where they're like, oh, you know what? We're just going to make everyone look like 
pretty boys, pretty elf boys, yeah. high noses. Which is, which is why the the show's art style is almost like exactly reminiscent of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is was done by um, Ayami Kojima. Yeah. So it's I'm I'm glad they took that direction because it looks better. Honestly speaking, it's a really good design. Well, Alucard certainly looks better that way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it just it's it it's just really cool, man. I liked the how each character looked. You know, it's when I think back to Castlevania three, which is based on for season one and two. I just remember there's not a lot to go on. <laughs> there's not a lot of art. <laughs> like it it just looks bad. Yeah. But it's oh, certainly by today's standards, it does. Um, but also, I mean, it, it, it's you would expect it considering the the source material and what we're what the show is about. But um, the amount of blood and gore throughout the series is um, there's a lot. <laughs> I fucking okay. Season one, the establishing shot in literally the first four minutes when Lisa walks past all the people on the fucking spears. Fucking mm-hmm. great, loved it. Right, I was like, "This is the greatest establishing shot." I know, I since I'm a fan of Castlevania, I understand. Like, you know, they they based uh, Vlad Tepes. Well, I don't remember his other fucking name, but they based him Vlad on Vlad the Dracula Tepes. Yeah, they they based Dracula on like Vlad the Impaler, right? Vlad the Third. So yeah. that's why he has the pikes up and shit. And when they do flashbacks and stuff to show him, like in season two, when they're doing the uh, flashbacks, and he's like thinking about that time these 40 merchants pissed him off so he fucking killed them all and skewered them and put them on the fucking hill for all mm-hmm. the women and children to watch. I was just like, Ooh, damn. <laughs> oh boy. That is... Which is something mm. the real Vlad Dracula really did. Yeah, fucking impaled people from their ass to their mouth and left them there as a warning sign. It's fucking nuts. And I just... <laughs> I, I'm glad that it wasn't just a blood and gore party. Like, there was a purpose was it behind not? it. Was there? No. <laughs> you said like, so. Well, I mean, there there are certain there are certain scenes that yeah, I'm pretty sure they exist only to be gory. Like well, the thing is, the gore is unnecessary. No, 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 no. See, this is where you guys are wrong. So <laughs> let me explain to you. The parts where they actually have a shitload of gore are the establishing parts. You know, when he, when Dracula comes back and rains blood after a year and all the fucking streets flow of blood, mm-hmm. that was the establishing shot of, like, this is his tyranny, this is his curse that Wallachia mm-hmm. now has to, like, just take because they pissed him off and killed his wife. And every time there's, like, fights and you can see, like, when the vampires are hunting, right? When uh, Godbrand leads the merry band of the council war council into the town to just fucking kill and eat it's to show their vicious nature like they don't care you know Hmm. they they use it very well to tell the story of like how vicious these vampires are you say that but then didn't they establish them as treating them as like livestock and not having malice towards them so shouldn't they just be eating them isn't that like because so godbrand uh-huh. He was the one who led the merry band of fucking the war council, right? Uh-huh. And prior to that, he had that dream sequence where he was like hunting, right? Because he believes himself because he was just belittled by Dracula. So now he's having his power fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why he, he leads the band. is like, I'm not going to eat pig's blood. It gives me the shits. And then he fucking <laughs> leads his merry band down there to decimate and hunt. 
because he's filling the the void, that uh-huh. power void that he felt with Dracula. That's why they do that. At least that's my interpretation. Maybe I'm fucking wrong. But, Maybe I'm thinking but too they much. all, all of them were like going crazy, and yeah, because not just Godbrand. So because when he asks for blood, and Dracula's like, "Don't worry, you guys will be taken care of," and he's feeding them pig blood. They're pissed. All the War Council was pissed because Dracula is waging a war against humanity and not really giving them any spoils, right? Because he, you know, again, Dracula just wants to kill all the fucking humans. That's all he cares about. He's a broken old man. He's died. They also they also allude to the possibility that he hasn't fed on a human in many, many years. Mm-hmm. Well, at least... Oh, yeah, that's right, because he was, he was a human for a long time when he met Lisa. Mm-hmm. So well, he pretended to be human. Yeah, so that's why it shows the brutality with the vampires when they're hunting in that specific scene because they aren't that brutal. Like it's not as brutal when they're doing normal fight scenes against the other vampires and stuff like that. Like there is a little bit of blood and stuff like that, but they don't do any extreme gore okay. comparatively. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, John, you may have changed my mind. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you for your TED Talk. <laughs> welcome welcome to my TED Talk where I talk about for <laughs> 30 minutes about why Castlevania is actually really good. It, it does have lots of blood and gore, though. I, I'm not necessarily of the opinion that it's unwarranted. I mean, considering the the, the source material and the story it's trying to tell. Um, it also has sex, which is something you don't see a lot of in anime anyway. I mean, it's not so actual funny. sex. You see hand-holding. When, you see hand-holding. <laughs> when I loaded up season three the first time I watched this, Netflix was like, warning, sex. And I'm like, what sex? There's no sex in this show. And then the sex scenes came up at the very end, and I'm like, oh, this is what you were warning me about. Mm. Mm. Yeah, with mm. Lenore and um, choose the puppy boy. Fucking for Hector. Hector. Hector, yeah. Hector. Uh, that actually leads us really well into talking about the narrative of Castlevania. Um, yeah, uh, this wasn't a one to one adaptation of the video games, as, as we have said. Um, so. I guess the the question that that kind of arises from that is: Does that mean it establishes a stake in its own franchise? Well, and I would say yeah, because it's actually paying homage to the franchise itself. Establishing a stake in the franchise is that a pun? Ha ha ha! That's <laughs> actually that's actually pretty good. I'll give that to you. I wrote that. That was me. <laughs> no, so what I really meant was like, we, with the video game, if you guys are anyone's a fan of the video game you understand that there isn't much of a story right it's a fucking video side-scrolling 2d platforming video game it's a castlevania game yeah and the old games are for sure it's there's Um, not a lot to go on wasn't so to try to establish an actual storyline and they borrowed from different franchises like symphony of the night which is what this was based on it wasn't a one-for-one recreation because all you really know was that's the setting you know dracula comes becomes crazy because people killed his wife. And now as a Belmont, you and every, your partners or whatever in crime are going to have to stop him. That's it. That's where it stops. Yeah. Right. So they had to fill in the gaps and I I just feel like it carved its own story out. Like not because they wanted to get away from the video games, like, like resident evil, for example, it gets away from the video games because it wants to be its own franchise. And I think resident evil as its own, like standalone franchise for a movie is fine. I like I like the first three one three movies. The other four, nah. so they were all good. John, 
We're all good. No. Yes. <laughs> they, I, I just... They, Going to slowly back away from this conversation. Just now. saying they flip-flop a lot between, hey, look at the video game shit, to, oh, no, we're our own thing. And we're just going to create some bullshit. But anyway, Doesn't matter, because the main character is so, hot and badass. So no one cares about video games. Per- so... So personally, I would say that it not being a one-to-one adaptation of its source material actually works in this anime's favor, um, because I've I've seen a lot of video game adaptations or anime adaptations of video games. Most of them are not good. Yeah. Um, and the reason is that a lot of anime studios attempt to make not necessarily one-to-one adaptations, but as close to possible one-to-one adaptations of the video games because they're essentially trying to pander to the already established video game fan base. And it tends, that tends to work more often than not against the adaptation. And in this case, since they, they took an already established like setting and group of characters and wrote a cohesive story around it that the video game might have lacked. I think that works so much in this adaptation's favor. As, yeah, it does it really well. As someone who hasn't played the games or even heard of the games, um, I really didn't feel like the show was a standalone product. I felt like I was missing a lot. And I, I you described the actual games as not having much of a plot. So maybe the feeling of of missing out is from the script being like, too quickly produced especially for the first season like they couldn't pack in enough like plot and character development um but yeah it i feel like i'm missing a lot um but it is so it is a decent story but it doesn't feel standalone from from my standpoint the only stuff you're really missing if you didn't play the games is like the little tidbits of like hey look it's the morning star flail like, it's the thing that we use in freaking Castlevania that explodes shit, right? And here's the holy water. Like, it's it's not... It's just little, like, nods to the franchise mm-hmm. that are really yeah. cool. But it's definitely not needed. Like, again, if even if I didn't know Castlevania, the games, uh-huh. I'd still be, I, watch this and be like, oh, yeah, it's kind of cool. I, think I, I, I will say, I will mm-hmm. say, being that the games themselves are as old as they are because they were around during the 8-bit era. Yeah. Um... Um, you didn't get a lot of story necessarily in the games, but all the games did come with like little booklets that were that had like lore in them. So I mean, you kind of are missing that if you hadn't played. I them. feel like the show might be relying too heavily on its established IP in that like it relies on you knowing the characters already because I feel like it doesn't do that great of a job of fleshing out the characters, and especially in like the first few seasons. Um, and the same goes with the plot. I feel like it doesn't work hard enough to flesh out a proper plot and it relies too heavily on previous knowledge or previous investment in what, like, the plot and the characters. Okay. No, I I, 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 mean, I, I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I can buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, season one, uh, like I said in the beginning, it just feels like it was a promo. These four episodes were just a preview for Netflix, the green light, the series. There's a lot of things that happen. Like, literally, the entire preface of season one and two gets condensed into four minutes, right? In the first four minutes of the first episode of Castlevania, it's like, hey, here's what this entire two seasons is going to be about, guys. Like, yeah. this is why Dracula goes crazy. And that's it. You know, we don't... Yeah. Like, why does... We don't learn more about Dracula. 
Like, we don't know why he doesn't even kill Lisa immediately. We don't know why he has a soft spot for her. There's nothing really yeah. established to show how deeply he loves her and why he would go mad when she dies. Right. I, I will say that's one thing this adaptation I think did better than the video games is in the video games you just kind of see Dracula as this mustache twirling villain. You're not given a lot of reason as to why he is so fucking evil except that you know he's supposed to be an adaptation of an already established fictional character of Dracula um, who is kind of established to be evil in the Bram Stoker novel. Um but I like the fact that the anime gave him like this air of being just a tortured soul and not just a mustache twirling villain. Like he's doing this stuff because he wants revenge, but he's just so fucking tortured that he can't see beyond his own desire to just kill people for killing his wife. See, yeah. I still see him as a mustache twirling villain because yeah, he has a good reason for it, but in the end, what he's trying to do is still like brain dead. Like, I won't kill everyone. That's a really interesting and, you know, nuanced motivation. No, it's kind of, it's boring. But here's the thing. At the end of season two, like we see, so there's the point where he has the remote viewing mirror and he throws the cape in, right? Because he wants to test. You don't know why he does that. And it's because you learn later, he knows that his court is going to betray him. He knows he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And when he's fighting Alucard, Alucard's like, this is the world's longest fucking suicide letter, mm-hmm. right? Because mm. he was right. When my mother died, you died too. And that was so true. And Dracula realized that. Or he already knew that, but he was still angry, right? He still wanted to grieve, and he grieved in his own way, and he reverted to his old self because he was like, fuck it, fuck it all. It portrays him like that. And it does it so fantastically well. And again, the voice actor for Dracula does a fucking phenomenal job. And It's like a table flip moment, really, is what it is. It's like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to flip everything on everyone. Yeah, and what it's even crazier because... Oh, my God. Let me explain to you. Oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. After Adrian, or what, Alucard, after he's at the castle at the end of season two and he's alone and he starts crying in the chair, it just I just was like, I was hit with the emotion. I was like... You know, when I first watched this, I didn't realize that Dracula did the whole, like, throw the cloak through the remote viewing mirror because he knew he was going to be betrayed and he wanted to save his one friend, right? He wanted to save Isaac, his one friend in the court. And I was like, he, he still has a heart. He still cares. And he still sees that humans, some people are still worth saving, right? Which is a good setup for season three. Uh, I didn't know if they did that on purpose, but it was a great fucking setup for Isaac to like experience the world. And, you know, he's a bitter man who's been burned by the world before. And now he's like, I see there are our kindness, but there's too much more evil in the world and I should just kill them all anyway. Right. It's a really good setup yeah. for that. But as, as uh, Alucard and Dracula are fighting and, you know, fucking again, amazing fight scene amazing sound effects they're going through the rooms and then you know he gets to alucard's room and then he finally gets struck by the fact that he he has gone mad you know he's like i can't believe i'm gonna kill my own boy like what the fuck am i doing lisa and then when alucard kills him and he feels the grief once he puts the chair in his room and then he sits there and he finally grieves it's because he never in the beginning he said i grieve with you father but we can't kill all these people so Alucard never even properly got to grieve about his mom dying, right? That's why they show that shot of him as a kid and then his mom, then he starts crying because he he had to force his own emotions down to fucking 
make sure that he could help his mom's wish of making sure his dad doesn't go crazy and kill everyone. And I was just like, God damn, this is a good fucking story. Fucking, I care so much about these characters right now. <laughs> like, it's 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 good. It's good. I feel nothing. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Wow. Well, whatever. <laughs> cold, cold man. So, to just reiterate, I season one, I don't think it does an amazing job at establishing the world and the characters, but it's it's an introduction, right? Again, it does it, a lot in four episodes. It does a lot. It made me want more. Okay, does a so, lot and does nothing right. <laughs> the only wow. thing the season one does right are the fight scenes, which are pretty crummy anyway. Really, I like them. They were pretty good. Yeah, like when he fights the uh, the stone cyclops. That was badass. That was yeah. really cool. <laughs> but overall, the pacing of the series was mm, this is pretty bad. Um, they, well, especially in the second season, I feel like because, yeah, like it's... the the war council stuff, like the the scenes of the war council, they just they drag on, and then there's so few characters that actually have speaking roles. Yeah, and it's like, who is Carmilla? Why does she want to take? control of dracula's castle at brela like they spend so much time saying a lot and doing nothing <laughs> now the whole thing with carmilla i'm really glad they expanded on that in season three because if you had just thrown that out there and just left it hanging there that would have been disappointing oh no i would have been super pissed but again i don't know if they decided to do all of these things in season two in expectation of season three Maybe there's a, I think so. a bigger I, I story think, I th- planned. I don't know. Mm. I think what they were doing was they were setting up some like threads that could be expanded into other seasons while also wrapping up the main story. That's what I think happened. Yeah, like they, they weren't entirely sure they were going to get a third or even a fourth season, but they wanted to put some threads out there, you know, just in case. Maybe. And eh, I don't really agree with that because it's like, isn't this supposed to be about Trevor and Sypha and Alucard, like honey. I mean, it still kind of is. More, it's just not just I'm about. I'm more them. interested in the War Council than Trevor, Sypha, and Alucard. <laughs> yeah, but they're the main people. Yeah, I get it. There's more intrigue in yeah, the more, uh, vampire. Uh, they developed like Dracula's court more than they developed the main characters. Yeah. So, and that's more of Which like is amazing considering only five people got speaking roles. <laughs> yeah, but. One thing I really hated uh, was the ex machinas. Um, it just, it, it just irks me, man. Like, so you know, in season two when they go to the Belmont Hold, right? And then Trevor sees yeah. like there's this one bookshelf that's all collapsed, and then he gets the Morning Star, and I'm like, well, fuck. That's a man. very video game thing. Let's be honest. Like, I I get it. It's an homage. It might be an homage to the original series where like. You break walls in the castle to find hidden stuff, mm. like the meat in the walls to heal. Okay, it's oh. a Castlevania. I'm thing. assuming that's why it was done that way. Yes. And then they also had the throwing knives, which is another subtle nod to, hey, remember the throwing knife, the best weapon in the game? Except you're fighting when you're fighting Medusa heads, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it just I hated that because I was like, I there's Sypha talks about, oh, you've grown so much, but it's like all Trevor has done was play with tools this entire time you guys have been reading and there's not much development and there's a lot of like forced like hey we need to kind of move the plot so let's force some things suddenly it happens and it's just it's dumb i hate it bad writing but i get it it's it's really hard to make it a natural point especially when you don't focus on your main characters anyway like 
Yeah. I'm just saying we could have done 12 episodes with just Trevor and Alucard and Sypha and them exploring and getting stronger and them becoming friends and having actual dialogue. And then season three could have been six episodes of like the war council and more expanding on that and more speaking roles. And then the climax would happen at the end of, of the third season like that. You know, that's how I would do my, my, all the episodes my whole of thing with cancel and then no episodes of Cypher, no, Trevor, and <laughs> They're the no, main characters. No, fuck <laughs> Fuck you. I actually like the main characters. I would say with, with the morning star whip, it, it would have been nice and say, we're going to have to go through this library anyway to find the information that they wanted to. It would have been nice had they had been going through this library and then just like get these subtle clues to like where the morning star whip might be. And then you find out it's like in locked away in like a you know sub level of this library yeah they just they take too long in certain parts and don't take long enough in others and it's just infuriating because it's like we have two stories progressing here right the war council and the main party and yeah it seems like they focus so much more on the the war council than the main party but they don't even give that much about either of them so it's so like yeah. it's like oh well, what the fuck <laughs> It's a lot of fluff, actually, is what it is. Yeah, and it's, it's a not, shame. not not a whole lot of substance, which is why I think it feels like those are, those are so some badly paced episodes in the middle of the second season. Yeah, but then when you which get to the climax, because the climax the climax just, of the second season is great, make you forget all of it, <laughs> make you think it was a good show. Yeah. And then, and then we go into season three, right? And the pacing is yeah, which has like three branching stories. Yeah, there's there's so much going on, and there's not enough focus, and it takes forever, right, oh. to get anywhere. Oh, but it, it does lay the foundation for a lot of things to come, which I do appreciate. Like I, I do appreciate yeah. that they spent season three developing more characters, fleshing out backgrounds, showing each path of each like party, right? And yeah. it's just it's great. Um, I will say, like watching the 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 Council of Sisters throughout the third season, that was fun because like they're clearly evil and they enjoy being oh, evil, yes. and it's fun to watch. Love a yeah. sadistic dominatrix, especially when there's four the, of them. The, the whole season of the whole season of watching Lenore seduce Hector, it's like it's like I, I'm sitting there like, bitch, you weak ass man. Oh my. I mean, he is, Don't a, lie. he is a pushover. Lenore's first temptation would have already hooked you. Don't lie. Yeah, that this is true, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I wouldn't have fallen for it, but I would call myself weak, too. I really appreciated the psychological warfare that Lenore employed. That was really interesting. Yeah. Um, like As much as I love the fight scenes, which are great, just watching the psychological warfare between the characters sometimes is just so good. Yeah. I honestly enjoyed season three so much more than season one and two because Dracula was dead and his stupid, <laughs> he's such a stupid villain because he has such a boring motivation. I was like, bye. And then now we have like interesting stories. We have like the mini story with the judge. The judge was an interesting character that I liked. And then we have Isaac, who's an interesting character. And we got to see more of him. And you've got the sisters, which are all interesting characters. All like a hundred times I'm, more interesting than Dracula, who's just like, I want to kill everything. Stupid. What 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 I'm <laughs> hope what I'm I'm hoping for because I mean it, it's Castlevania has been um, greenlit for a season four, and I don't know if that'll be the final season or if we'll get more after that. But what I'm eventually hoping for is now that we have established that there's eventually that there's three like branching narratives that are playing out. I'm hoping they're all eventually going to come back together in like a really 
epic final fight between all these different factions that are working. Well, Isaac is um, definitely actually, there's, coming there's for Carmilla. Well, yeah, there's there's actually four. Who's the fourth uh, story one? threads that are kind of? Um, well, we don't well, know the Isaac if, one. So we don't know. I I, I know which. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just need to say something. Oh. We don't know if Isaac's coming for Carmilla because remember that what the captain says, like you can be your own man and create your own army and take over the world, mm. or you could be a slave to another person's wishes, right? Yeah. There's the fact that he says that and then Isaac thinks because Isaac's like, you're yeah, right. Yeah, but you would. Why should I? The captain is implying that Isaac should rule over Styria and in order to rule over Styria, you'd have to kill Carmilla, right? Yeah. So, I mean, eventually they're going to go to war, but I'm saying... It, the yeah. development that he has isn't strictly because he's 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 no longer just Dracula's tool. Now he's becoming his own person in his own world, right? After he yeah. experiences the greatness of people and the the worst of people, and it's good development. I I'm really hoping season four is a culmination of all the different stories. Like, and also I I just need to talk about the story that uh show didn't mention, which was the Alucard story, where oh, it yeah. has that has the orgy. Okay. Yeah. And uh, oh, also officially, they're not they're not um, actual siblings, according to the script writer or something. Step siblings. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was thinking no, they're, that they're too. Not related. When I was watching, I'm like, isn't this incest? <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. That's what I thought. I was like, they call didn't they call each other brother and sister? Hold on now. Uh, apparently, they were both orphans who were you know put into the uh-huh. to show's court. So that's and they what, just called that. It's okay if it's not blood related. I got it. Yeah. Well, it's because they. You know how the Japanese call themselves like brother and sister, even though yeah, because older like Ni Chan, Nei Chan, whatever. It's like an English calling someone bro. No. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're not related, so that scene wasn't incest, guys. Keep it in your pants. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, no, what I was going to say when I mentioned that was that, yeah, we have those four, we have the four story threads, which, I mean, you can kind of say that Alucard's is sort of done, although I'm sure no, you know, no, he's no. going to so, appear in season four. So but the reason yeah, hold on, I, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, we got, we have that, we have, uh, the thing with, uh, Trevor and, and Silpha, we also have the thing with Isaac and the thing with Carmilla and the sisters. So I'm hoping that either in season four or maybe we even get a season five, that all of those things come together like a la Star Wars Return of the Jedi where you have like three or four different story threads independently happening and that all come together at the end so the Alucard storyline isn't done because as so spoilers Taka Taka and who Sumi Uh, Sumi bitch (laughs) so like it was a stupid storyline that I hated because it it just it railroads itself what you don't like orgies oh no i love orgies but no (laughs) the point is that you know when we are in alucard's story when we first see him he's gone mad it's only been a month since he's had no contact with people and he's going crazy right and and it's funny like when he does the voices of trevor and (laughs) saiba that was funny i laughed my ass off it's so funny but it's it's because he's going crazy he's here by himself. My name is Trevor, and I have a small penis. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> yeah, but when Taka and Sumi show up, and he's trying to you know befriend them and realize that humans aren't complete pieces of shit, and then they do that complete one eighty where they try to murder him after fucking having an orgy with him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, what the fuck? There was no signs that they wanted to kill. Yeah, Alucard. I was also like, like what the fuck is going on? 
Like, what the fuck, dude? You can't just fuck me in the ass and then try to kill me. Like, all this because you won't let us move the castle? Really? Like, I get that. It, it, it does a really good job portraying, like, she is lonely. He may have tried to prolong it by not telling them the truth and the whole truth. But that could also just be the fact that, you know, these are just two random people. It's not like he went on a fucking month-long adventure fighting night hordes and killing his own father over, you know. Like, he's still getting over the fact that he killed his own dad. Like, the patricide is, it's, the guilt in him is heavy, right? So he wanted to have Sumi and Taka be the people to help heal his wounds. But at the end, they betray him, and it pisses me off. But also, I liked it because then, what does he do? He is his father. He fucking pikes them. He spears him, puts him on his stick. Yeah, it puts him in the front, and I was just like, "It's such a good, like, over, like foreshadowing that Alucard I like how, is going to be more fucking like, oh, I hate humans or pieces of shit." I also love how he monologues to himself. It's like, "Well, a no trespassing sign might have worked, but this will do too." Yeah, and, it, <laughs> and then it's he good. Just cuts to them on the fucking sticks. So I think it's good because of that. Like, I, I'm hoping that it brings Alucard back into the mix. After Sypha and Trevor are have been traveling and trying to kill all the night hordes, they finally meet Alucard, but now he's different. He's changed. Like, he's gone crazy. Yeah. He's gone mad. And they need the power of friendship to, on their side to help him fight against Dra- or uh, against the um, Sterios kingdom and Isaac's yeah. well, armies. And-, and I'm like, I want that culmination to happen. And with the when they had the, the opening of the Infinite Corridor at the Priory, in the village in season three, you actually got to see a glimpse of Dracula with with Lisa again. I'm like, are you foreshadowing something? Yeah, it's like, is are they gonna try to bring Dracula, oh, bring from him out hell? of hell? No, no. And I'm please. like, no, no. Is this gonna is it gonna is it gonna turn into like Friday the Thirteenth? Jason goes to hell. I don't, I don't know uh, what that was for other than just to show that you know at least dracula is finally happy you know his again he wanted to die he just chose to lash out at the world it's pretty obvious he was sad but i i'm hoping that no one tries to bring him back from hell like i'm pretty sure the war council is going to try to bring him back from hell to try to control him or something i don't know either that or saint germain will because he's actually in the infinite corridor now (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of things. That 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 whole thing, that whole thing in the village too. I actually really like that. There's a lot of people that say it was kind of boring and like you know oh, whatever. I, love but that. I actually really like that. Watching Trevor and 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 Sypha be like investigators, yeah. like paranormal investigators, like, a, like Scully and Mulder, like a creepy yeah. mystery. I love that. Um, and like the the revelation at the end that it's actually the fucking leader of the town that's been like killing people. Oh yeah, yeah, when the judge. I, I would, love that too. So, so I, I, when we first see the judge leave the room where he's like huffing and puffing, wiping his hands, I'm like, oh no, something's see, up. See a child molester? Yeah, I don't know. And then they what open the. Happening. <laughs> yeah, because that happens. That happens like very shortly after you see the scene where he's accosting the child and it's like, you want those apples, right? Well, go to my apple tree and get oh, three no. apples. And all of a sudden, like the next time you see him, he's like sweat is pouring off of his oh, face my. and he's coming off of a or coming out of a room and he locks the door behind him. I'm like, bitch, you just raped this kid, didn't you? Yeah, and then like when he. And then when they go into the room and we see like all those tiny shoes and I was just like, oh no, 
He rapes kids. He's not kids. a child molester. He's a child murderer. He rapes kids and kills them. Oh, no. And I was like, this is cool. Like, I hope Trevor kills him. But then, like, the whole revelation at the end, it's like, no, he just kills people who don't listen to him. And that's his sin. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. that's kind of lame. But I did like the whole uh, the judge it's a, it's a, like it was pre- I like yeah. I like the whole Sypha and Trevor thing like I love that it's like it's a, a cool revelation because it's because you meet the judge at the very beginning and he's like he's kind of standoffish and like can I trust this person and then like over the next few episodes it's like oh yeah he's cool you can trust him he's just kind of a strict person and then you find out he's a fucking murderer he's a fucking psychopath yeah I like how he's like it was totally unnecessary to kill those people but he just did it so it's like yeah. Because they pissed them off. Because mm-hmm. they broke the rules. Yeah. And I was just like, that's... You know what? He didn't need a, any more motivation than he likes killing people who disobey him. I mean, and why that, else like, would he uh, call himself the judge, right? The judge. That that should have been obvious from the start because he calls himself the judge. Although I think that was actually common in medieval times for like leaders of villages to just be called judge because they were like... They were judges. <laughs> So but anyway, um, <laughs> I, was waiting for, I was waiting for show to say something because he said. So speaking of murder, um, this show is very edgy um, with all the fucking guts and gore everywhere. Um, it seems like every single character has a character arc, how they realize how humans are shitty <laughs> and how they fuck them over. Like literally every character, that's a character arc. Um and there's like literally anti-Christian sentiments in every episode, which, okay, for me it's a bit. All of this is very over the top. I don't know. I guess this is the point of Castlevania, and that's the appeal of it. Um, I think that it was like unnecessary, honestly. I feel like after watching three full seasons of this show, there is a decent plot in here that you could have like taking out, taken out and told properly um and all of this edgy stuff is like distracting from the plot because it just makes it seem stupid when i feel like there's an actual decent story to tell for me personally like the appeal of castlevania is me not just the games but the the anime too is like the the victorian horror and the gore i mean that's that's the that's why i watched it in the first place i mean i i came and i got a good story out of it though I feel like that, that it helps. just makes it seem like lowbrow entertainment when i feel like i don't know because at near the end i feel like the writing becomes more sophisticated as it goes on and near the beginning it's the writing is not as sophisticated but true so i, I i'd agree with that and the reason for that is because castlevania in all intents and purposes is supposed to be just a victorian horror game Right. Yeah. That's like, it. There, there isn't supposed to be a, a a good overarching story, and that's why when they dive into season three with more development and stuff, it's way better. It's way more well written. I, I, ha- I also have a feeling that the the longer the series goes on, assuming it gets a well, it's going to get a fourth season, but assuming it gets stuff beyond that, the longer it goes on, the more you're going to see uh, more and more original elements come into this. But because they're they're kind of out of stuff to borrow from the games yeah. yeah but the thing is like i i understand about the the how over the top the hyper violence is but it's it's kind of supposed to be in place because you know the night hordes are supposed to be just scary super, yeah they're fucking scary dude like the establishing shot with those fucking bat like things with the baby in its mouth right yeah like, that was Yo. little that that was like, like, like ooh, ooh no, fuck no. 
don't like, know. Like, oh, I feel this is fucking crazy. You can be scary without being gory. I feel like gory just makes oh, me feel like can, it's a yeah. dumb show, not a scary show. That's I can like, see yeah, that. You can yeah. definitely, you can definitely, you can definitely be scary without being intentionally gory. Like, okay, I'm gonna. This is gonna sound like a contradiction, but like Michael Myers in the Halloween franchise, like he's scary not because he kills people, but because that mask is creepy. Yeah, it feels like they wanted to go multiple different directions along the, this production line between season one and season three, and um, I mean, in the end. Uh, it's a bit sloppy where they're trying to go, but I mean, it was still enjoyable. So I guess I'm glad they chose to continue, but it can, I definitely see that the that the edginess that they were going initially doesn't necessarily match up with this story that they're trying to tell at the end. Because literally at the end, we're having like a political feud between... Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, this is... The gore is has no service here. Um... But, uh, you know, you could actually you could actually lob this same criticism at something like Game of Thrones, which in its first season or two did nothing but throw gore, violence, tits and ass at you and hope and hopes that you would stick around. And then as the story progressed, it got more and more like political and like conniving. It's funny that you mentioned tits and ass because like the sex scene in season three, I felt very tasteful. It didn't feel edgy at all. So... No, it didn't. Yeah. It actually did feel kind of like. I feel like it, the, it the honestly, the writing's all over the place. <laughs> but I did enjoy it. But they could have tightened what they were trying to do up. They clearly changed direction between what they're trying to do. Well, yeah, because yeah. they ran out of source material. Dracula's like not there anymore. Yeah, which I'm so, so <laughs> thankful Dra- for. Good Drac. Yeah, <laughs> stay away. No, don't come the back. The only reason, again, the only reason they were using the gore in the beginning was to just showcase the how violent and angry Dracula is and how crazy fucking fucked up the vampires are. Like, that's, that's all it was. It was used to illustrate a point. Uh, I I just liked it in the beginning, the season one and two with the stuff. because I, I thought it was used well. Uh, it is over the top, but it, it tells a good story of his I rage mean... and yeah. the cruelty of vampires. And also the scene in season one where that demon comes into the church and the... Uh, the deacon or oh, talks to the bishop mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah the bishop's like you can't be in the house of god he's like god's oh, not here your god doesn't love you and i was like oh, oh i love this oh, my god. <laughs> oh eat his face off oh, no. impale him spray blood he's <laughs> like i was kiss. waiting for it <laughs> yeah let me give you a kiss and then he fucking eats his fucking face ah mm-hmm. oh, so good Anyway, that's. I thought it was used tastefully and well. So fuck taste. <laughs> tasteful, tasteful face don't. eating. I feel like the people that are dying are literally making ahigao faces. Like it's almost <laughs> they're almost making I ahigao mean, faces. So, like this. As, as, so, as someone, as someone yourself who liked kakigurui, you should be used to that by now. I mean, but I mean, okay, okay, Alex, okay. <laughs> Okay. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Listen, there's a no. time and a place for Aiko. <laughs> <laughs> Some people enjoy death. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, Alright, we've been talking about this for over an hour now, so I definitely think it's time to wrap this up. So I'll ask a couple of questions here to, to wrap this up. Um, we've kind of hit on this, but I'll ask it again. How do you guys think this compares to other uh, anime adaptations of video games? Because I think it's actually 
a pretty damn good video game adaptation. Yeah, it's better than <laughs> better than all the other fucking video game adaptations. Yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> Azure Lane. No, <laughs> has that even? Well, ever... I wasn't even. Like most video game adaptations are literally shameless product plugs. This is this is actually yeah, trying to do something. It, it, it's a shame because a lot of video game adaptations in anime now are adaptations of mobile games, which themselves are shameless cash grabs. I mean, Castlevania, like you said, doesn't have that much plot to it, so it's not too different than a mobile game. Hmm. Yeah, except I it guess. has better like thought put into it put behind it like there's actual people that give a shit instead of trying to get your money yeah it's not just a shameless buy <laughs> castlevania the anime wasn't made to try to sell more castlevania games no, no like there's not even a castlevania game in development right now yeah, exactly so. konami was just like oh yeah castlevania we have that ip oh you want to make a how much money how much money are you gonna give us oh that sounds good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do what you want <laughs> that's honestly what it seems like and, and, and it, it kind of makes sense because it's like Konami is not doing anything with this franchise right now. Let's do something with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great video game adaptation, especially compared to all the other anime video game adaptations we've gotten recently. Staring the fuck at you, Azure Lane. God, that was awful. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I'm not even so I, I'm not even strictly thinking of like Japanese anime video games to anime. I'm also thinking of like Western ones too, like. Um, fall of reach remember that series that came out at, from bef- after mm. you played halo reach and thinking yes. about like the dead space animated series and stuff or animated movies that mm. came out like and there was also the the halo like anthology series too that was actually pretty good yeah and i'm think i'm comparing this all to like all video game to cartoon or animations all video game adaptations into uh, like uh, movies and stuff like that like even doom hmm comparing it to all these other ones it's it's really good in all honesty like yeah it's and maybe this is something that you and i you and i john talked about this about a month or so or so ago about like you know the rise of adult animation and how a lot of it is being fueled by this uh trend of you know east getting together with west and working together yeah and maybe this is what we need more of to get these good adaptations well, I just want people to make things they, they like and show me what they like. Yeah. Like, it's not a pointless it is, cash it is grab. Clear that the, it's, it's very clear that the creative team behind this actually does care about the source material, though. Yeah. yeah. They've, throw, they've thrown enough homages to it. They've shown enough that I'm glad that they're branching out in Season 3. And I'm hoping that in Season 4, like, there's more culmination. Like, it's not just going to... Yeah link right away like there's we there's more intrigue involved you know like we still yeah. have the unresolved thing of with isaac we still have the the sisters we still have trevor and sypha and we still have alucard you know there's they're all still in play and i'm hoping yeah. that they expand way more on that and they bring it together in a in a good fashion not just like ham-fisted like they did in season one and two yeah I, I've already said it. Like, I really hope for the fourth season and anything we get beyond that. It's just these these plot threads that have already been established. They keep getting developed, and then they eventually just come together in one glorious, like, battle or uh, confrontation. That's that's all I'm really hoping for. I'm I'm just really hoping for something that comes together like that. It doesn't all have to come together before the end, but when it does come together, that's all I want it to do. I want it to all just. I I want it to be a really enormous confrontation 
That's what I, I really want. don't yeah. see how they're gonna fit all of those thread lines together. Um, I don't necessarily <laughs> care. All I really want is more vampire women. Please, thank you. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, me too. <laughs> I want to see more of Lenore. God, she's so good. Oh, no, yes. my God. Yes, I know. Oh, uh, that vampire anyway. puss, bro. Oh man. Yeah, that, that vampire pose, man. Oh, yeah. I was thinking during that sex scene, how can Bite. you, like, have sex with a vampire? How how can that turn you on? Like, her skin is literally cold. cold. How yeah, can you, like, like, be into that? I'm like, you're, like, licking her leg, and I'm like, you're literally licking raw meat. <laughs> like, how is this sexy? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, he... gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> Not even gonna comment on that. Oh, oh, Alex! Uh, what have you done? Nothing. Oh, Alex, oh Alex. Alex. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, I think that's actually a really great spot to end this. So thank you all for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because God, we loved watching this show. Um, if you want to check out other episodes of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, BitChute, SoundCloud, and Spotify. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can join us on Discord, Facebook, Twitter, and our website. Shoot us an email if you have any questions or if you have ideas for topics you'd like for us to talk about in the future. Links to all these things will be down below in the description. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, everybody. What a horrible night to have a curse. (laughs) 